Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about the stock market, for sure. And uh, how I mentioned to someone recently, you know, it's nice that we're at, you know, 52-week highs, all-time highs um, on various indices and that's kind of like looking at your career and saying, like, hey, my investment career is at an all-time high. The truth is the market hits an all-time high seven out of ten years. Six out of ten years, I think, technically hits highs within the year but doesn't close an all-time high seven out of ten. <clears throat> um, to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, what you talk about. So taking a look at the market numbers today, um, and seeing how we're opening after a long weekend. Congratulations for all of you who enjoyed your weekend. For those of you who didn't, hmm, these don't happen every single year. So, well, they do actually happen every year, single year. But enjoy the time you get when you get it, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, SP 500 down fractions. The Al is down 32. The Nasdaq's up 9. Hmm. China's giving Microsoft 20 days to explain problems. Chinese officials gave Microsoft 20 days to explain what they called compatibility and bundling issues with software, putting pressure on the software maker as it faces an antitrust probe. Um, the State Administration for Industry and Commerce required the U.S. company to explain problems like incompatibility and other issues caused a lack of released information on its Windows and Office software. The agency said it issued a deadline in the meeting with Microsoft personal Personally, this is one of those issues that will come up where it's tough as hell to do business in China. To me, it's tough as hell to invest in China. Therefore, I'd rather play a Chinese index or a pure Chinese company with more risk, a Chinese index with less risk. Um, you kind of see where I'm going at with that. Putin threatening war. Hmm, that's going to make the markets feel real good. Um, Russia stepped up its criticism of the U.S. over Ukraine as President Barack Obama heads into Eastern Europe to reassure NATO members of their security. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said Ukraine's allies are stoking the five-month conflict and should back peace talks, even as Vladimir Putin sought to calm concern over remarks his army could take Kiev, quote-unquote, take Kiev, in a matter of weeks. Unfortunately, this whole war thing it is putting a little bit of a damper on Europe. And putting a damper on Europe puts a damper on international. Putting a damper on international puts a damper on the U.S. Um, Ukraine, U.S., Europe, they're all accusing Russia of dispatching soldiers and backing militias to open a new front in the conflict with the United Nations estimates. has already cost about 2,600 lives. Russia is facing further sanctions as early as this week over the unrest. Has repeatedly denied involvement, but... 
it's not adding up. So that is a positive or negative. Depends on how you, you think things end up. I tend to think things end up, typically, eh, people will calm down. Maybe it doesn't happen that way. So, it's something to think about. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, dollar General has boosted the family dollar offer in a takeover tussle. Um, Fighting over the bride is fantastic. So Dollar General raised its bid for smaller family dollar stores to $9.1 billion. It's willing to divest twice as many locations to ease antitrust concerns. Dollar General bid 80 bucks a share in cash, um, compared with an offer of Family General of $78.50 two weeks ago. The company said it would sell as many as 1,500 locations up from 700 in its previous approach. So everyone's trying to win. Apple in the news today. They're probing uh, whether or not the iCloud was hacked to gain Star's nude photos. Love it. Yeah, back up to the cloud. Why not? Apple's poised to unveil a new iPhones next week. Probably a watch that probably won't uh, deliver until 2015, but it's expected that we'll see it. So the FBI's probing reports that hackers used the company's iCloud service to illegally access nude photos of actress Jennifer Lawrence and other celebrities. Uh, hackers posted the nude photos on the anonymous image-sharing website 4chan out of London. The photos targeting more than 100 U.S. and U.K. celebrities were allegedly obtained by breaking iCloud accounts. Um, again, is anything safe? Mm-mm. When you take a picture with your iPhone, it goes to the cloud unless you turn off that setting. Um, the iCloud service, a key part of Apple's strategy to unite its phones, tablets, and desktop computers, lets users store contacts, emails, photos, and other personal information. Apple has fixed a bug in its Find My iPhone software that may have allowed hackers to access celebrity iCloud accounts through so-called brute force attacks that try multiple passwords. Fascinating stuff, huh? I know you're all scrambling, like, what, what, what was that website? I want to go see Jennifer Lawrence. I know, I know. Um, be good. Don't do it on your work computers. Um, that's another thing, work computers. Holy mackerel. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Again, anything that you want to talk about, we can try to talk about. Money, investing, and more. Coming up this hour, I'm going to be speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst at Briefing.com. Get to him in about 20 minutes. So, stocks open flat. Manufacturing report came out this morning. It was pretty darn good. Um, what's interesting to note about that is, again, we have two parts of our economy. We have manufacturing, and we also have uh, services. Service is way more important. But the manufacturing report that came out um, is pretty impressive today. So it, I would say it's a big beat. Uh, manufacturing in the United States has gotten a boost um, to the point that like we're referring to it as, hey, that's that's a pretty good number. And we used to be kind of ashamed of our manufacturing in the United States, like, uh, it's all going to Mexico. Um, well, 100 had its best month um, since February. Investors looked at data last month, and we're looking at the manufacturing things, um, economic data points. Data supports the idea the economy is accelerating at this point in time for the second half of the year. You've had investors who have been increasingly encouraged by the direction of the data. So the Institute for Supply Management's Manufacturing Index climbed a 59 reading. That's the highest since March 2011. Readings greater than 50 indicate growth. Data yesterday also showed that output growth in China, the UK, and the Euro area slowed, stoking speculation that they will um, get stimulus stoked by their central banks. So last month, August, SP500 up 3.8%. So one Morgan Stanley analyst today is calling for S&P 500, 3,000. I want to own me some of that. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up a couple days from now in San Jose. It's a Thursday evening event. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Putting on the ribs. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Money, investing, and more. Um, so much to go. So much going on, right? Dollar General raising its bid for Family Dollar. It's kind of good to be Family Dollar right now, especially if you're a shareholder. Apple being investigated on reports of iCloud risks. Got to get the internet security higher, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. We have a couple celebrities lose some nude photos in the process of us getting better security. Great. Um, you know, I'm at the point now where I'll have a password sent to me for a lot of my accounts every time I log on. So it'll come to my, my cell phone because I can't afford to be hacked in certain areas of my life. Germany has imposed a ban on Uber. A regional court in Germany has imposed a nationwide ban on Uber Technologies car hailing service posing a serious challenge to the company's ambitious expansion plans in Europe's largest economy. Uber and Lyft uh, kind of came in and took the taxicab crown. It's going to be an interesting next couple of years as lawmakers try to figure out how do we handle this. If you get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. The SP 500 is down fractions. The Dow is down 21. The NASDAQ up 11. Joining me now? CFP Chad Burton talking all things financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com or hear him right here on this radio station from 1 to 2 p.m. New Focus on Wealth. Risk tolerance and rebalancing. Chad, those are two very big terms that all investors must be aware of. Why? Well, what will happen is in good times, people stick with the winners. And that tends to be good for a three-year period. And then the best asset class that performed the best over a three-year period in the next five years is likely, in one of those years, is going to be one of the worst places to be because things correct. The way that the market works is that you have you know 10-year average PE ratios, 10-year average price-to-sales ratios, and you tend to get pushed well above that for a year or two before it corrects back down. And unfortunately, investors chase that end of the re- The party's already over. Until everybody's always saying how good the returns were, people get in late, and then uh, they take too much risk, and then it drops. And then instead of hanging in there for a couple of years until it comes back, they sell. And then by the next winter, that drops three years later. You know, it's just this, this roller coaster ride and short-term memory issue that investors have. I remember recently pulling up a chart when the S&P 500 hit a record high, and it was being led by healthcare. The healthcare sector was breaking out and the underperformer was consumer staples. Mm-hmm. Simply put, and everywhere in between was financials and tech, and they were all in between. So the winners were healthcare, the laggards were consumer staples. Right. As an active investor, would you say that there's value in consumer staples and that there's growth in healthcare? Like well, yeah, but I mean, let me give you an example. It's a perfect example that you brought up because early in 2013, consumer staples had had a huge run by then. Okay. Everybody had bit them up because they were... Dividend-paying stocks in most cases. Not high-revenue growers, not growth companies, but dividend-paying stocks, so investors piled into them. So all of a sudden, we had dividend yields well below the 10-year average. We had price-to-sales and P-E ratios well above the 10-year average. We decided to sell consumer staples ETF and go into the healthcare ETF. 
and that was one of the best performing asset classes because looked, we looked at the healthcare ETFs, and they were almost just the opposite of that because everybody was freaked out of Obamacare and Affordable Care Act, which is, and it's the same thing. But so a lot of these companies had been bid down and were trading at a discount relative to the S&P 500, and that's the kind of subtle moves that you make. You buy when it doesn't look right. You know, you buy when nobody else wants it. You don't buy when it's already done well. So when rates are low, people are looking to dividend-paying stocks as bond alternatives. Yeah. You know, the AT&Ts, the Rise, and the telecommunication companies have 4%, 5% dividend yields. The utilities have 2 to 3% dividend yields sometimes. Um, is that a good idea to heighten growth stock or heighten dividend-paying stocks? If you can really babysit it, because th- the problem with this is that a lot of those com- uh, stocks, if, especially utilities, REITs, and telecom can be very sensitive to a jump in interest rates. A lot of times that's, that sensitivity, though, is short-term. The problem is is that you have conservative investors selling portions of their bonds to go into dividend-paying stocks thinking that they just go up and they pay a great dividend. Those same investors are very conservative. So when they start to lose money and see a negative value on a statement, they freak out. And so they'll sell right at the bottom of the dip, and they turn their losses into real. So especially you know, when you're younger, yeah. Absolutely. Just deal with a little bit more volatility. You don't really need bonds, but when you're older, you still have to maintain a level of risk that you're comfortable with. I rebalance twice a year in my 401k. Mm-hmm. Good idea, bad idea? Uh, good idea. I mean, I would assume that you're Rob Black and you rebalance more like you know, every three months, but you know, that's just my opinion. I don't think I have that option. Yeah, you go in manually and do it. You okay. can turn on the automatic rebalancer, but come on, log in manually, Rob. Do some rebalancing. Do you realize how important my time is? And You are a busy man. If I'm not solving cancer, if I'm not finding Noah's Ark, if I'm not out there, you know, trekking philanthropy and helping people in Africa, do you think I have time to do quarterly rebalancing? Come on. <laughs> so when do you, how do you determine it to rebalance? Like, for instance, market correction rebalance, market 52-week high rebalance, or do you just say... Both. Okay. It's both. Uh, so what, what you do is, so we have six different models ranging from very conservative to very aggressive. And we have thresholds at every asset class for each model. And as soon as, so if we set one model that might be, you know, 15% international developed and 10% emerging markets, yeah. and the international developed goes more than 10% above its its allocated level, then we say, okay, we're it's time to sell. What are some other areas in the portfolio that look like a screaming buy because they're selling at a discount? Is that emerging markets? Is that small cap or whatever? So you're, once it hits the upper and the lower bands, it either sets a sell trigger or a buy trigger, and you look for places to fill. It's not automatic. I don't like stop losses necessarily, but it's an internal uh, monitor of your own portfolio. So CFP, Chad Burton, this is what he does for a living. He's on top of all things financial. He's a financial planner. Great website, tons of content. Seriously, I was surprised by how much is there, how many articles have been written, how many videos, how many PDFs that you know can start you thinking in the process of retirement and what it means to you. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking again, all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, we can talk about high health care deductibles. Um, even though we've gotten the Affordable Care Act, it doesn't feel very affordable to most people. A lot of corporations and corporate workers are offering higher deductible plans, um, sometimes known benignly as consumer-directed plans. So it's sometimes the only option remaining. So and people take it, and they have to hit a $6,000 deductible, and it doesn't feel like insurance, does it? It feels like you're spending $6,000 of your income on health care. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big seminar coming up. You can sign up for it a couple Thursdays from now at robblack.com.
Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Fascinating research report comes out of Morgan Stanley this morning that I'm curious to talk to Patrick O'Hare about, Chief Market Analyst from Briefing.com. Mr. Patrick O'Hare, how are you? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Any chance you got to see that Morgan Stanley report this morning talking about S&P 500 going to 3,000? You know, I'm afraid I did not see that report, so I'm interested to uh, to hear what <laughs> what you might uh, be able to highlight for me. You know how um, some research companies do a lot of long-term prognostications, and one of the things they did was looking at the year 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to find I tend to use these reports as a grain of salt. I find them interesting, but you know, grain of salt. Um, one of the things they mentioned was like capital spending doesn't look stretched. Um, how much? Crystal ball, how far are you willing to go out as far as some of your analysis on the markets? Well, I think you know, you, you know, when you're looking at stuff like that, I think it really your your time frame is, is about a year, frankly, uh, because you okay. can't uh, really take anything for granted that much further as it relates to earnings forecasts. Um, and some might even argue you can't go past six months, but. Um, you know, but I can certainly I, I can get why someone would put out a, a longer term target that sounds pretty darn good relative to where we are right now. Um, you know, if you just take a step back and look at the entire big picture of the uh, stock market over the last hundred years or so, and, and you can see a pretty nice trend line, all things considered, uh, that would probably lead you to a conclusion that you you're apt to see you know some pretty good gains over the long haul. And for Morgan Stanley, this isn't really exactly like a stretch. You know, just take a look back at the last hundred years, and the markets have worked their way higher. So, it's almost um, stating the obvious: we should be higher in five years, right? Well, we should, and I think they they do raise a valid point that capital spending is is not stretched. I mean, we've seen that. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we've seen such a slow uh, rebound out of the Great Recession is really that companies have been reluctant to uh to invest in new equipment and new intellectual capital i e you know people um and so there is uh quite an opportunity there still as as u s corporations start to really do feel better about the outlook and start to upgrade their machinery and their technology and uh and that can create a nice economic boost and profit boost and and hopefully uh lead to also stronger job gains um so there's a a real follow on effect there that uh could be a real good thing here if it can kick in, but that's been that's been the problem though is that you see all these companies that are just kind of like sitting back on their cash and they're basically buying back stock rather than investing in new capital equipment, and that uh, uh, has been good for shareholders, but it really hasn't necessarily helped the uh, U.S. economy achieve escape velocity. How are you feeling after wrapping up Labor Day as far as the United States as we head into the final few months of the year? Well, you know, we are seeing encouraging signs on the economic front. I mean, the initial claims readings have uh, been a little bit baffling because they've been so good. Uh, we thought they were related in large part to some seasonal biases that uh, didn't uh, that kicked in uh, in that you didn't see the auto manufacturers really shut down to retool and therefore raise the claimant count. And so, um, so that's been intriguing. Uh, obviously, an encouraging sign to see the initial claims level below 300,000. We should get some more encouraging news uh, later in the week with the uh, U.S. employment report. Uh, today, we obviously saw the ISM index come in at 59, which is the highest level since March 2011. Uh, so you are starting to see you know, some good things here, uh, which, if nothing else, do highlight for a lot of investors and people around the world that the U.S. economy, um, you know, relatively speaking, is certainly doing better than the Eurozone uh, and, uh, and is looking you know, pretty decent here, all things considered, and that, you know, and then when you take into account that there's still plenty of room for improvement in the U.S. economy, it does create some, uh, an encouraging backdrop here, uh, barring some, you know, exogenous shock that could disrupt everything. So, taking a look again um, at some of the headlines, and this is tied directly towards your column, page one, um, Dollar General raised its bid for family dollar stores. Is there... Uh, merger and acquisition buzz enough to is is that kind of action good enough for the market to give us a little bit more fuel higher I think it is because you continue to see companies come out and uh they're, they're still doing you know 
plenty of cash deals, right? That the Dollar yeah. General bid for Family Dollar is an all-cash bid um, over the rival bid from uh, Dollar Tree, which is a cash and stock offer. But you know, you're not only getting these cash offers, but you're getting them at a pretty healthy premium to stock prices that have already run up, you know, considerably. Um, so that can be construed as, a, as an encouraging signal and can be read positively as it relates to, you know, valuation issues. Uh, there's, you know, uh, these companies clearly aren't worried about uh, overpaying right now, and, and uh, they, if they choose to do so, they certainly have the currency in their stock to offer some nice premiums. But again, a lot of them continue to use cash to, to make the offer, which to me is a really uh, strong signal of how they think that that those acquisitions can be accretive for them. So uh, so that's good news. Um, and it can continue to be a, a supportive factor here for the market into year-end if we continue to get those uh, M&A deals. I like to put things in terms that people can digest, and rock, scissors, paper is obviously a game that we all played as a kid. Where does the whole Russian story play into the invasion of Ukraine as far as healthy economic data in the United States. When will we start caring, caring about the whole Ukraine scenario? I or think, will uh, Yeah, right. It, it, it's, you know, it, that's the exogenous factor there. You know, I alluded to earlier. It's one of those exogenous factors. Some people might call it a black swan with, you know, some scary term. But, you know, if you get something that, you know, uh, develops into a, a broader more conventional war, so to speak, that, that becomes scary. But I think probably the thing that would happen that would really force people to sit up and take notice if Russia does, in fact, cut off its gas supplies to the Eurozone uh, in the wintertime, uh, that's going to create some real economic problems there that will have a domino effect. Um, it's not the base case scenario, but it's, you know, it's not out of the realm of probability. Uh, and so that's something to keep an eye on. But as of right now, it's a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of bluster still on, from a headline standpoint, and uh, it's just going to continue to sort of hang over the market, but it's not likely to undo the market without any uh, real economic uh, issue coming to bear like that, uh, like the possibility of cutting off the gas supplies. Anything else that you're working on, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com, that we should be aware of? Sure. Well, you know, we have some really uh, important uh, central bank meetings later this week, primarily the ECB meeting. There's a lot of um, participants looking for some type of uh, action out of the ECB, and it remains to be seen if they're going to follow through with that uh, in terms of maybe even announcing a, a QE-type program. And so that's going to create some um, increased trading activities as the week progresses, as will the, uh, the August employment report, which is always an important read and something to keep a close eye on. Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. I start every morning by going through his uh, page one column. Uh, then, you know, eventually I'll get to the, some headlines. I'll get to what's working on the market. Uh, but I start every morning uh, starting with his kind of, to me, it's a little bit of a cheat sheet. Um, you know, his headline was exhaling, exhaling after the long weekend. And Labor Day has come and gone. No major flare-ups on the geopolitical front. This is his words, not mine. Um, it did not just extinguish any geopolitical fires either, so we still have Russia. We did, Russia didn't turn into a problem, but we still have Russia. So real good stuff. Real good stuff on his uh, page one, briefing.com. So... 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 1-6-12-20 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, China giving Microsoft 20 days to explain their problems. That's, again, China being China. Apple being investigated over by the FBI over how hackers use the company's iCloud services to illegally access nude photos of actress Jennifer Lawrence and other celebrities. Uh, change passwords, people. Best advice I can give you on a regular basis, change your passwords. Passwords are not a good system. Uh, we'll get better, but not a good system. Nike has stepped up to the plate, and they've decided to dwarf Under Armour in their offer for Kevin Durant. So um, Under Armour is a Baltimore-based company. They lost their bid for Kevin Durant. They offered something like 265 to $285 million to get his endorsement in what was the company's biggest endorsement deal ever. 
but Nike exercised its right to match the offer, and Durant decided to stay with the company. The overvalue, the overall value of the new deal is said to be no, more than $300 million. Can you imagine getting paid more to wear shoes than play basketball? Um, would be nice, right? Under Armour has about 1% of the overall basketball market, whereas Nike has about 96%. Um, and you get a premier player, having him on board would give that extra credibility in the basketball category. Um, Under Armour is left focusing on women. They launched their largest ever global campaign for women. Um, they scored the biggest equipment deal in their history this year in college sports, so they're getting there. I like both companies. I like Nike for what they have. I like Under Armour for what they can get. And who else is there? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Big seminar coming up, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday in San Jose. It's going to be a retirement event tied towards income, tied towards living in the Bay Area. Very important if you're a Bay Area wealthy person, you have different problems than others. I'm Rob Black. Bye. Deals have been put in place to make the iPhone mobile wallet. Got seven days till we get the big Apple announcement on what's going to be the phone, maybe the watch. Apple's next phone will be a so-called mobile wallet as well that enables users to make credit card payments with just their phones in some stores. I like it. Anything to make that transition, that transaction easier. But again, security is going to be a big issue. On a day where it's announced the deal's been put in place with the Visa American Express MasterCard, um, some sort of payment plan, we also learned that, you know, celebrities have had their phones hacked and nude photos uploaded to the Deb Deb Deb. Um, Kate Upton is one of the celebrities, Jennifer Lawrence another. Kate Upton, who you basically see nude in bikinis, right? Is there anything left of the imagination? Not much, but do people want to see it? There is a market for it. Um, so how do those two stories hit each other? You know, security, for sure. I can't imagine putting a debit card on my phone. I'd put a credit card if I get still the same protections I get with a credit card. But putting a debit card into cyberspace, to me, is just ignorant. So if you have an account with anyone with your debit card tied towards it, I would close that account almost immediately. If it's a credit card, okay. But... Shopped at Target this weekend. Uh, speaking of how safe do you feel with um, your your security, I'm okay. Angelina Jolie's unique wedding dress, the first look, People Magazine paid for the photos. No way. The Jolie Pitt family wedding album. Uh, it feels like a mouse just crawled in my mouth, vomited, and died. It's awful. Uh, and that's what we care about. Why? I don't know. But market's hitting all-time highs? Meh, not so much. I find that hilarious in a sad kind of way. So the market today, SP 500's up fractions. Not much fractions. But we started off negative. The Dow's up 7. Not much, but it started off negative. NASDAQ up 15. On a day where Apple's getting kind of bashed for the ease of which hackers were able to get into their cloud, uh, that stock's hitting an all-time high. $103.59. Is it awesome? I don't know. I'm not one of those awesome kind of guys. 
Um, and stopping and thinking about it, it had, yeah, the previous high was like 127, 130, $100.30 when they did that 7 for 1 split afterwards. So um, so now at 103.54, all time high. Yay. Will it close there? Who knows? Who cares? Big event coming up next week, of which I was speaking with Mark Dannon not too long ago, and he goes, so they typically sell off after announcing a new phone, or do they typically rally? In six of the phones, they've rallied four times, and they've crashed twice. So you do the math, or you do the the story on it. I don't care to play that game. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and, again, much, much more. Um, taking a look at, you know, the market stories today, uh, it is post-Labor Day, so volume's going to be a little bit light. No major geopolitical flare-ups, that's positive. Merges and acquisitions, there is some. A little merger Monday going on. Dollar General up their bid for Family Dollar. Compuware was in talks to sell itself. Compuware was one of those... Believe it or not, Y2K stocks. I know you're saying, really? Refresh me on that one. Remember the Y2K stocks? We thought all computers were going to freeze and no one would get a social security check because the year 00 minus your current year, no one would be able to figure out how old you are and computers would crash and planes would come down because they're based all there. Like, people panicked over Y2K and the what it would do to computers. Um, long story short, there was companies that had plays on it, like Compuware. Uh, you know, data conversion, data management, software management, software data. Uh, all big, big, big things, believe it or not. Um, what else is out there? Strength day and consumer discretionary. Financials, consumer staples. Weakness in materials, energy, and healthcare. The stories of the day, you know, pretty, pretty peaceful. Um... Nothing really going on as far as um, crazy headlines. Factory activity expands in August at the fastest pace since April 2010. Data, again, supporting, you know, it's okay to be long in the stock market. Morgan Stanley, I think, came out with the shocking headline of the day when they reported, you know, the market could go to uh, S&P 3000 over the next, you know, they give kind of like this time frame of, you know, uh, six years. So five or six more years, and if it gets just a 6% annual earnings per share gain, um, they think a 17 times price-to-earnings ratio, you get S&P 500, 3,000, and that's not a crazy number. Uh, I've got a friend, Neil Hennessy, who gets on CNBC, and he goes, he'll say, Maria, I think we're going to see Dow 30,000 in six or seven years. And she goes, that's a crazy number because we're only at Dow 16,000. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. So I see basically the market doing what it's done, doubling every, you know, seven years. And that's what it's done since you were a little girl, Maria. So big numbers are, are fun to play with. They're impressive, eh? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Here's Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Happy day after Labor Day. A lot of college classes start today. Tuition costs surging. There was a great note out of New York. New York Fed's Jason Abel and Richard Dietz wrote, they looked at the way young people, whether or not they're making a sound investment in college and how long it takes to recoup your investment. It used to be that you had to work 25 years to earn back what you'd fronted for your degree. Only about 10 years now on average. So the, the payback's pretty fast. But those who don't go to college versus those who do, those who don't get college debt versus those who do, the value of a college degree has remained near its all-time high, while the time required to recoup the cost has remained near its all-time low. Um, the value of a college degree has not increased since 2000 and has actually been decreasing of late. The estimate that the Fed used to put on a college degree was about 120000 in the early 1970s. Uh, and then it dropped to 80,000 in the early 1980s, and then it tripled to 300,000 by the late 1990s, where it's been ever since. That value of college has stayed near all-time highs despite rising tuition costs and falling wages for graduates. Actually, has more to do with plummeting wages amongst high school graduates. Um, if you have a kid today, I think it's almost imperative that you push them into a college degree or push them towards a college degree of math or science. I'm not saying that English majors are evil or bad or, or not worth it. And you do need people who can eloquently sum up Shakespeareans on it. Um, for a lot of people who do do the Bachelor of Arts degrees, college actually does not appear to pay off uh, for their investment. You know, again, if you put $150,000 in the stock market or $150,000 into a college degree, what we have more in 30 years with a bachelor's, a master, bachelor's of arts, I think you're going to be better off having put that money more often than not into the S&P 500. But I can't tell you that. So if you had a kid and kid comes up to you and goes, ma'am, I want to be a poet. I'm taking poetry classes. I would almost rather hear something horrible, <laughs> like, Mom, I've joined a anti-American fascist group, and I've got this tattoo to show, prove it. Um, are you with me or are you against me? Tying into the long-term faith of that market, of putting the money into the market versus putting money into the college degree, again, I am endorsing math and science degrees, um, and I'm also endorsing the market. The S&P 500 is a, whop, a whopping 200% from its March 2009 lows. So Morgan Stanley put out a note today that said, you know, S&P 500, eh, probably around 3,000 before we get our next recession in the United States. They say, should the expansion of the United States have five or six more years left based on 6% annum, 17 times price-to-earnings ratio? They see S&P 500 at 3,000. So is it too late to get in? Nope. Um Part of their quotes was, we believe a prolonged period of deleveraging in the U.S., coupled with an uneven global recovery, are just two of the reasons this could prove to be the U.S.'s longest expansion. The world is not in sync, is their summary. Major regional economies are at different points along with the growth cycle. In general, developed markets are leading emerging markets, and emerging markets are lagging. Volatility in the United States continues to trend lower, which can extend the life of expansions. Deleveraging in the United States is ongoing, albeit largely corporate. Um, balance sheet priorities have shifted. 
interest payments on debt burdens are ultra low. When we hit this super low interest rate mortgage environment and corporate borrowing, it really freed up the world or the United States to have, hey, you're going to be getting more principal paid off because your interest rate's so low. Um, and the interest is just money that goes to banks. That's not necessarily the case at this point in time. It's so low. Household debt dynamics suggest there's sizable cushion protecting consumers in a rising interest rate environment. Capital spending and inventories don't look stretched. Corporate management and other corporate metrics of overheating remain muted. There's not a lot of u- ubers, as I like to say, ubers. Uh, there's not a lot of cockiness out there. A lot of broad economic indicators in the United States have just reached normal expansionary levels, so they're looking far from, you know, unsustainable. They, they look pretty good. So capital spending to come back is out there. Um, CapEx recovery has been one of the most highly anticipated controversial aspects of our recovery because it wasn't there until the last reading when it started really firming up. No one's forgotten the financial crisis, which I think bodes well for the United States. There was a freeze in credit. It hit a lot of financially healthy companies. I can tell you that, you know, having my Amex bill, uh, I used to be able to carry like $40,000 a month of, of credit, paid it off every month, and they're like, no, we're cutting that down to 30, 20, 15. Um, so I remember that. So I remember risk very much so. There are a number of ways current expansion could get derailed. Europe and China are already slowing and near a recession. Japan is highly dependent on the success of policy in the United States and their own policy. U.S. reforms on key issues like budget, taxes, entitlements, immigration seem a long way off. So you've got to know the negatives. They go hand-in-hand hand with the positives. One of the dumbest questions I get asked by people is... Um, when do I know to sell a stock? You know to sell a stock exactly for the reasons you bought it, but opposite. If you bought it because it had a low valuation, then because it has a high valuation. If you bought it because sales were picking up, then sales are slowing down. Um, I like to say before you buy a stock, give it five days. Write down five to ten things that you like about the company um, and see if they're true. You know. If Ziffs and butts were candy and nuts, so what a party would have. Like, you could say, well, it looks cheap. I think it's going to go higher. And you're like, how does it look cheap? Does it look cheap because it's got a lot of debt and they're using that debt to buy back their shares? Does it look cheap because the five-year P.E. average is on the lower side versus the higher side? There's a publication called Value Line, which isn't sexy. Planning a wedding is much sexier than looking at Value Line. But you got to look at value line <laughs> because you want to have money as a, in a relationship. You want to have financial you know, freedom, which reminds me, uh, doing an event on, in the Bay Area for the Bay Area employees. You know, if you work at a company like a, um, a Jumio, a startup company, and you're getting stock options and you're going to get wealthy one day, or you think you are, you need to start doing planning now. If you work for, you know, someone like a Stanford and you're making maps, and, you know, they're contributing a lot to your 401k. You need to be maxing out that 401k and trying to figure out how to live off of it. Um, so Chad and I, CFP Chad Burton, are doing an event at the San Jose Airport Hotel, uh, 1471 North 4th Street, um, buying real estate in the Bay Area. We're going to be talking about real estate versus stocks, risk, and return, capital gains, tax facts for both single people and married couples, managing high states and federal taxes, the Bay Area is very unique in what we're hitting. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Happy day after Labor Day. Hopefully you got some time off. I say that with true sincerity. Um, we don't want to work till the day we die. That's one of the reasons I do the show is my dad worked till he died, and it's not fun. Um, he had a great pension left for my mother, ultimately. Um, we're not going to have great pensions. Just throwing it out there for you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's speak with our CFP friend, Chad Burton. Joining me now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. He's with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a certified financial planner. One of the issues on retirement, Chad, I look at risk. There's market risk. There's political risk. There's uh, currency risk. There's headline risk. There's earnings risk. There's inflation risk. There's lots of types of risk. But in retirement, I think there's five. There's timing risk. When do the lower or down returns occur? There's market risk, lower overall returns. A lot of people look at the last 10 years and say, uh, people over 60, they're just not going to expose their assets to, to risk anymore. And risk equals re- higher returns mm-hmm. in theory. Um, there's expense risks. Medical costs go up. Repairs go up. Replacement cars. There's longevity risk. Risk, you know, you live in too long. Yeah. Like at some point in time, I want my mom to die because she's becoming more and more expensive as the years go on. I know that sounds horrible to say. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. You just look like a big jerk. <laughs> but there's also inflation risk. Yeah. And inflation risk hits seniors more than anyone else because of the cost of health care and Medicare. Right. Well, you have to expose yourself to some risk assets. Otherwise, later in life, you will subject yourself to a much lower lifestyle. The only way you can keep up with inflation is dealing with stocks, commodities, different types of investments. So if we look at inflation risk as an issue, that means part of your portfolio, part of your stock portfolio has to be overseas. The reason why is because when you're earning money, in over, you know, stocks from other countries or bonds from other countries, you're automatically hedging yourself against a falling dollar, which is where inflation comes from. Okay, higher commodity prices and a falling dollar causes inflation. So in your overall portfolio, you need to have of your government bond exposure. Some of it needs to be in tips, Treasury inflation protected bonds, and of your overall bond exposure, a decent portion needs to be in foreign bonds with a good, well-known manager that's been doing it for a while and has good risk-adjusted returns. And of your stock portfolio, you, you've got to have some good dividend-paying stocks from overseas as well. That's a good way to hedge against inflation. Um, other risks that we have to hedge against is that that idea of longevity that you talked about, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean. People used to retire thinking they were going to live till 80, 85. Now, I've had uh, three clients make it to past age 100, and I'm sure I'll you have a lot You had three clients more. make it over 100? Yeah. Do you send them a gift? <laughs> I should have. Send them a, a card like, hey, you're over 100. Your life must suck. We had a client that uh, at 98 fell off of her ladder cleaning her own gutters. That's crazy. I fell off my ladder. She broke her hip, and she was fine you know, six months later. Wow. Tough old lady. Tough old lady. Yes, she was. Chew leather? So, so, so what's that? She chew leather? <laughs> for breakfast every day, leather and bacon. Um, but, you know, for longevity risk, that's why I say, you know, you, you got to have a good portion of your overall income coming from income that you can't outlive. Yeah. Things like uh, pension type income, social security type income, income that's guaranteed from, you know, either the government or, or some sort of a highly rated insurance company. That's your longevity switch. There's actually longevity insurance that's being sold out there now. That kicks in after age 85 and starts paying you a certain amount of money. Um, so there is ways to build that into your overall plan, that, that longevity risk. Let me know how much time we have left, Mr. Producer, at some point in time. Timing risk. That, I think it's kind of a, one of the one things that like people don't think about. But like the housing downturn caused a lot of people's retirements just calamity. Yeah. Because they had this asset that was appreciated, 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 appreciated. And then the, you know, the 2006 real estate bubble popped. Mm-hmm. And the timing, it sucked to be a 2010 time frame. You know, it, I don't know if that makes any sense what I'm trying to say. It is does that, because, you know, a lot of people, especially in the Bay Area, re- retire with, a lot, with rental properties, yeah. right? Yeah. And they have to do a very detailed retirement plan with their cash flow um, and saying that, okay, my income need is here. It's going to go up with inflation every year. And my portfolio is only going to last 15 years. So obviously I'm going to have to start selling some of my properties. And if that is in real estate, you need to know – 10 years ahead of the game before you know you're going to need to sell real estate because real estate cycles cycle through every 10 years. So if you're going through... What's that mean? Real estate cycles every 10 years? Every 10 years from peak to trough to peak to trough. Really? It's always a 10-year type of a cycle. 
Okay. So um, we're, we're, stocks are very similar too. I mean, you have you know seven seventy percent of the time stocks are up, thirty percent of the time stocks are down. Bear markets, bull markets tend to last ten to fifteen years at a time. So everything cycles. So you know that okay, it's it's uh, two thousand twelve. I'm going to have to sell a rental property to replenish my portfolio by two thousand twenty two, right? Okay. Let's say in five years you get what's really another real estate bubble, for example. I'm not saying there's going to be one, but it, let's say there is. Let's say everybody and their moms wanting to buy real estate no matter what it's doing, and you know you, you're at the top of another price point. Well, you might want to sell that property five years early and take advantage of that dip. In terms of your overall portfolio, to take out the timing risk, the timing risk when you're in retirement is you're living off of your portfolio. So the thing that will kill your returns and kill your chances of a long-term retirement in the long run is if you're selling stocks or bonds in a down market. Both have a lot of risk. In fact, in bonds, there's more risk now than ever that you're going to have to sell in a down bond market because we haven't had a down mar bond market for many years. And usually when the bond market's down, you get two years of negative returns. And so the only way to hedge against that, you need three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash. That's the only way that you're going to make sure that you don't time the market on the selling side. And uh, after that, every quarter on the upside, Peel your gains to replenish the amount of that cash that you've spent. That's how you reduce the risk of timing. And NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. And he and I are going to be doing a seminar coming up in San Jose at the San Jose Hotel, which is, to me, an odd name for a hotel. It's the San Jose Airport Hotel. It's on 4th Street. We're going to be doing an event tied towards living in the Bay Area and creating wealth in the Bay Area and ultimately trying to manage it. We have high state taxes. We have high federal taxes because of our incomes. Um, stock option planning is a chore. Capital gains taxes um, for both single people and married couples. Real estate versus stocks, a lot of questions people have. Uh, Morgan Stanley said today they expect the market to basically go from 2,000 to 3,000, up 50% over the next six years. Are you ready for that? I like it. I hope you are. Um, how are you going to focus on that? Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money invested in more. To show you that we can talk about anything, let's talk Norwegian Cruise Lines, acquiring prestige cruises for $3 billion. It's the world's third largest cruise operator. The deal is going to give Norwegian Cruise a company with a market value of $6.8 billion access to Royal Caribbean Cruises. No, it's competing with Royal Caribbean Cruises. But very affluent clientele. Complementary strengths of the two companies is what it's about. People who don't really feel the pinch, per se. The cruise industry is a $29 billion industry that will benefit in the coming years from the rise of the middle class and emerging economies such as China and India. Companies are racing to position themselves for that cruise operators, for the new customers. Anyhow, little love boat, little flashback to your childhood, back pre-internet days. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It floats back to you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Money, investing, and more. Um, got an email, and this is a safe way for you to communicate with me. Rob at robblack.com, from Jeremy. And he goes, I took your past advice and opened up a Roth IRA with Vanguard. I'm completely maxed out for this year. I still have money left over to invest. I'd like to get into trading stocks, bonds, and mutual funds REITs. I was wondering what brokerage do you recommend for signing up for? My first choice I've been debating to go with Vanguard, Options House, Scott Trade, or Fidelity. I like both Fidelity and TDA Ameritrade a lot. Um, Vanguard's great for choosing index funds. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of him starting to trade stocks. I've seen this happen so many times where market's at an all-time high and you're feeling really, really smart. 
market cracks, and you're not feeling so smart. And you get mean and angry and bitter. And uh, I would be very, very, like I said, cautious um, on the way to on the way you think of investing. I see again many, 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 many people make just massive mistakes. Um, with that said, those are my choices: TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, uh, Vanguard are great. Schwab's um, good. Um, some of his choices I'm, I didn't jump up and down with. Options House. Show me one person who trades options who's worth a million dollars. Just one. Show me one person that you know who turned ten thousand into a hundred thousand or a hundred thousand into a million. Just one. And you know I will get all excited. I will hire that person. And uh, I will throw love and, and power on that person. Got another email from Eileen. I received an offer from Blue Harbor to reduce my monthly payments for $77 a month by reducing my interest rate from 4.75 down to 2.75. I'd love to do something like this, but I'm very cautious. Do you have any recommendation about this company? I've been paying for 2.75 years on my six-year loan from Toyota. Um, I'd go if you. F- I don't know Blue Harbor. You know, certainly you could look for Bank of America, Wells Fargo, to see if you can get a car loan for cheaper. Um, if you are involved with a union, you know, cutting your loan that still has uh, three years left on it from 4.75 down to 2.75 makes a lot of sense. Uh, so not against that in any way, shape, and or form. Um, got another email. Uh, this one a little bit different. My wife and I own three houses, one rental in Sacramento, one rental in Roanoke Park, and the house we live in also in Roanoke Park. We were thinking about buying another house for us to live in in Santa Rosa, but it'll cost $500,000. We'll have at least $200,000 cash put down. We'll be able to afford the payment. We make around $100,000, not including rents. I'm a 64, might retire in 2017. Wife is 57 uh, with a small cleaning business. I'll retire with a pension of about $6,000 a month, plus Social Security, plus the rentals income. Between the two of us, we have close to a million dollars in 403Bs and IRAs. So, you know, financial picture, heading towards retirement, has a pension that's going to pay $6,000 a month plus Social Security, um, has a million plus uh, in liquid investments in 403Bs and IRAs. Pretty good position. Um, He's going to be able to pull in about $10,000 a month in retirement. Should we sell one of our houses to buy another house or buy house number four, where we would live in and keep the other three as rentals? Our original idea was to keep the three rentals and buy another house and pay the mortgage. The only negative that I see in your scenario uh, is you're really house rich. You didn't give me the values of the homes, but I'm assuming, you know, 400000 each, uh, which is an assumption. I'd have to see how much the homes are worth, and I would do a cash flow analysis to make sure you're at least getting 4 to 6% off your equity. Um, at least. Then I would also bring up, you know, a lot of people own like a million dollar house and they rent it out for $4,000 a month and you do the math, it's $48,000. That's starting to get about right. Now if you're doing it for 3000 you're on the low side. Um, so you have to do the math. It's what it comes down to. I think you're also house heavy Real estate heavy, which, again, not a horrible thing. Um, but if a big earthquake hits Roanoke Park and you don't have earthquake insurance, again, how much equity do you have? How much principal do you have uh, in these homes? I don't know. So I can't really give you a good analysis. Um, I would almost consider uh, swapping one out if you can keep the same tax basis uh, that when you buy into Roanoke Park, uh, Santa Rosa from like Roanoke Park, you would have to check with your Prop 13 Um laws in Santa Rosa and in Roanoke Park to see if you could transfer that Prop 13, the one you live in currently. And again, George, thank you for the question. I wish I can give you a better answer, but I think you probably want to meet with a financial planner soon so that you could um, start coming up with a plan. Um, Not that tough, so not that crazy of a thing to think about meeting with a financial planner. You're five years from retirement. You would be ideal for the event coming up, Bay Area Wealth Strategies, San Jose Airport Hotel. That's coming up on the 11th, so nine days from now. It's a 6.30 to 9 event. Uh, going to focus on wealth in, re- in the Bay Area. Going to focus on how capital gains hits us as single people, as married couples, managing high state 
taxes. Stock option planning as well. Much, 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 much more. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Don't be shy. I'd love to see you out there. And if you want to drop me an email, it's rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. One last peek at the markets. Um, We were having a pretty good day. You know, Morgan Stanley coming out and calling for uh, S&P 500 3,000 in the next six years. Pretty crazy. S&P 500 is down four. It's gone negative. Dow is down 41. NASDAQ up three. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.